And it's always a joy coming to this church. And uh, I, I have a specific word that was confirmed to me this morning while we were in the worship. Wasn't that a precious time of worshiping this morning? And, uh, and I sense that the Holy Spirit is, well, not I sense, I know the Holy Spirit is repositioning this church. And uh, has been for some years. And, uh, and I, I want to talk a little bit about that today because <clears throat> repositioning is part of God's program for our lives. If you don't get majorly repositioned several times in your lifetime by the Spirit of God, then I suggest to you that there'll be a period of time where you're living out of the right season in your relationship with the Lord. Because God is always desirous to do a new thing. And he can't do a new thing unless he grabs our attention and our cooperation. Amen? And so to do a new thing within our life, new things means that things have got to change around here. You know, otherwise we're stuck in the routine of the old. We're, we're, we're living on, with old wineskins. And, and you know, when Jesus came, he came and he challenged the establishment of his day. He challenged their thinking. He challenged their mindsets. He challenged their religious ways. He challenged the, the way things were done. And, uh, and, and he said to some of them, I can't work with you. I want to work with you, but I can't work with you because you're still holding on to this old thing called a wineskin. And I want to pour out new wine, but I, I've, I've got to change the skin. Because if I pour this new wine into this old skin, it's going to burst and, and, and everything I want to do is going to be wasted. So I've got to reposition you. I've got to realign you. I've, I've got to recalibrate you. I've got to get you to, to get, to get rid of the old stuff that's got you stuck, stuck in the mud. Remember that game we used to play as kids? Stuck in the mud. You got tagged. You couldn't, you had to stand still until somebody came to free you. Well, I want to tell you that Jesus has come to free us. He's come to free us from religion. He's come to free us from our old ways that are never going to navigate the new season of God. And God is doing a new season. God is birthing something new. And, uh, and so I, I want to talk a little bit about that. And I want to talk about the, 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 if you like, the next season that prophetically I see coming on the body of Christ globally. And, and I do that out of a position of, of, I've been a pastor for a long time now. This is our 26th full-time year. I've been in ministry by the grace of God. And so over that time, I've seen a lot of things a lot of swings, a lot of movement in the body of Christ. I've seen a lot of seasons come. I've seen a lot of seasons go. And we understand that God operates by seasons. He's given us four seasons, four natural seasons in which we live and move and have our being. And, you know, it's wrong for us. Have you ever seen anyone in a, in a bikini in the snow? Have you ever seen Greg and Speedos in the snow? Some would say not only wrong season, but wrong clothing all together. <laughs> Amen. What, what, what am I saying? I'm saying is that we don't want to be caught clothed in the wrong spiritual garments at a season where God is wanting to shift and move and do something new. But we're living in a, in a completely contrary season. And, and we're, what we're going to find is that we can't shift gears when God says, go, we're stuck. Because it requires a realignment of spirit, of soul, and of body. That's called surrender. And surrender is a great word. 
It's a, it's a great word to say, but it's one of the most difficult words to live as a Christian. Because it requires, if you really want to walk with God, it requires absolute, total cooperation and surrender to move and walk and live your life in a way that is going to hit the mark for Jesus. You know, Paul said, run in such a way as to win. Run to win. Run to win. Your posture, your posture in Christ is, that, is one of that, I'm here, Lord, and, I'm, and I have a desire to please you in such a way I'm going to run to win this race that you've placed me in. So I want us to go to our first uh, scripture. I've got a few scriptures for you this morning. And uh, Luke 13, Jesus is standing looking over Jerusalem, verse 34. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. This is not a good picture. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, and assuredly I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Luke 19, verse 41. It's up on screen. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. Here's the expression of the heart of God. You want to know how God feels about his people at times? And I experienced that this morning in our gathering. And, and I'm just going to wait on God as to where I inject that into this message. You're going to come somewhere today, but... He wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this, your day. Whose day? My day. Your day. Things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around about you, surround you, and close you in on every side. This is speaking of the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. Forty years from the time that Jesus spoke these words, they came to pass. And not only that, the, the fulfillment continues over the nation of Israel. 44, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you one stone upon another. Why? Listen to this. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Father, we pray today that you would open the word of God to us. We pray that the quickening life of the Spirit would come and visit us, Lord. We pray today that it would penetrate and divide asunder between soul and spirit, bone and marrow, that the very word of God would discern the thoughts and intents of our hearts today, Lord. That, Lord, there is no uh, weapon available to man except the word of God that has a way of being able to, Lord, discern deeply into the heart of men and women all over the world what is really going on in our hearts. And I pray today that your word would be released in such a way, Lord, that we would experience that dividing line of the power of your word in our lives today. Anoint this word, I pray. Every word that comes from your mouth, Lord, let it stand. Every word that comes just from me, let it fall. That today, Lord, the people of God would be, Lord, built up, challenged, equipped for every good work as we approach these last great days that you've called us to live in. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody know the word kairos. Can we say that together? Kairos. Kairos. Most of you would have heard this word before. In the English uh, translation, we get the word time or times. In the original language of the Greek, 
There are two Greek words that are translated the English word time or times. There's chronos, where we get chronological time. That's I'm telling the time now. It's 10 past 11 on Sunday morning. That's chronos. There's another word translated time or times in the Bible. That's the Greek word kairos. It's a great sounding word, isn't it? Kairos. And kairos means a proper or set time or season. A proper set time or season. And Jesus was saying to his own people, his beloved Jewish people, as he was standing on the outskirts of Jerusalem, and as he was looking down over the city, with tears in his eyes, with unconsolable weeping, he was saying, you haven't been able to see with your own eyes the season and the kairos moment of God's visitation to you as a people because you were not willing and you were uncooperative and you've missed the day of your visitation. And many Christians don't understand and many believers worldwide don't understand that God works in fulfillment to all that the prophets have spoken of in times and seasons. So heaven rolls out a new season. And the sons of, and daughters of men, whether they, whether they experience what that season is, that heaven is rolling out, is dependent on the cooperation of their heart and their inner man. And the very core of who they are, can they align themselves? Can they sense? Can they hear? Can they experience the alignment of spirit with the spirit of God in order to enter and chime in and harmonious joy together on the season of the spirit of God moving afresh across the earth? You know, in Acts chapter 2, we see the prototype church. Prototype means first of its kind. And so Acts 2 was the day the church was birthed in the power of the Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit fell. Tongues of fire came down upon the 120. And they began to speak in other languages miraculously. And God began to move. They got inebriated in the Holy Spirit. People accused them of being drunk because they were so overcome by the experience of the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible begins to describe a body life of what took place in the early church. And Acts 2.42 says that they devoted themselves continually. Hello. Not having a day off here. Not having a season out here. Not taking time out from God here. But an incessant season of time that God had unraveled upon the earth. And the response of God's people was, the word says, they devoted themselves. Wow. What to? Number one, to the apostles' teaching. Number two, to fellowship. The Greek word koinonia which means having things in common, where they experienced the common life of Christ joined together in fellowship, where there was an incredible anointing that was unfolding and daily they met in one another's homes, experiencing the love of God through the joint body of Christ where the power of God was being unleashed through body life. It's called fellowship. The breaking of bread, which is what we've done this morning and also the sharing of meals. And one another's homes. And finally, that great uh, subject, the engine room of the church, prayer. Apostles teaching number one, fellowship number two, breaking of bread number three, 
Prayer, number four. And the Bible says daily, daily, daily the church entered into this. Why? Because they responded to the season of God. Acts 2, when the Spirit was poured out. And you know what happened? It says, and daily, daily they were saved. Daily. They didn't have a slick internet marketing program. They didn't have their latest website technology. They didn't have their smoke machines and their lights. They didn't have the ambience of what man can create. What they did have, however, was a harmonious chiming in of what God was releasing on the earth. With full cooperation, they surrendered and entered into the season of God, and they devoted themselves. Wow. And they began to experience the full outpouring of all that was intended in the heart of God. And that was the prototype. You know God's pattern? Anyone know God's pattern? It's God's pattern, unfolding pattern is from glory to glory to glory to glory. Come on, church. If Acts 2 was the prototype and it's supposed to get better and better and sweeter and sweeter as the days and the seasons go by, then we're missing something here. And we've got to be honest about what we're missing. We've got to be integrous. That, that man has turned the church into a, 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 a money-spinning machine, into a multi-level marketing machine. And many parts of the world where it's no longer about God's agenda, it's man's agenda. And man's agenda is, and his stinking thinking has saturated the church where it's now about men's empires and global kingdoms and the glory of God is, is put to one side as men receive the glory for what God always intended to be his and there's been identity theft. You think credit card fraud's the biggest thing on the earth? You think social media fraud is the biggest thing on the earth? The biggest thing on the earth is the identity of God's people has been stolen by the devil. And lies have entered and penetrated the mind of the church and it has stopped the church from docking in to the season of God on the earth. Jesus said, you would have seen all that I had to deliver for you. You could have partaken in the season of visitation, but you were not willing. I wonder what it was that they were not willing about. We know that the 12 that Jesus chose, they went through some pretty tough times. They went through some seasons of falling flat on their face. They went through tears, times and seasons of weeping. They went through uh, knowing multiple failures within their life. Even right to the end, three and a half years of almost daily spending time with Jesus. And still they denied knowing him with F words and cursing and swearing. So we know it's not about us. In terms of what we can bring to the table, but what we can bring to the table is a willingness and a heart that says, God, I don't understand it all, but I tell you what, I'm willing in the day of your power. I'm willing to cooperate. I'm willing, I'm willing to allow myself and, 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 and all that you desire to do within my life, whatever that takes, God, then I'm prepared to surrender. You see, this morning as we were in worship, as we were worshiping the Lord, and there was a great liberty, I just want to, I just really want to um, just say to the worship team this morning, guys, you, you just, you really had it this morning in terms of opening the way for God's people to engage the Spirit of God. 
Well done, good and faithful servants. But you know, as we were, as we were in the worship this morning, I felt the soft touch of like rain falling on my shoulders. And I, and I immediately in my spirit, I just, I just said, what's that, Lord? And, and Jesus just said to me, it's my tears. His tears were falling on my shoulder. This morning, I said, why are you crying, Lord? And he said, this church has been through a season of a tunnel of turmoil. It's my birthing canal. And he said, they're nearly at the other end. And I'm weeping because of all the ones that despite the turmoil and the hardship, they've come to that point where they said, though none go with me, still I will follow you, Lord. And I felt the gentle rain of God's tears falling in the meeting this morning. And you know, Psalm 85 says this, says that God has called us to be on a pilgrimage. He said, God's people go from strength to strength for they have set their hearts on, on a pilgrimage. You know what a pilgrimage is? A pilgrimage is, is means that you keep going and you keep walking. No matter how much sludge, no matter how much muck, no matter how much quicksand you walk through, you just keep going. That's what a pilgrimage is. And God says you're going to go from strength to strength because you've set your heart not on. You've said, you've said to yourself, I'm not going to stay still. I'm not, I'm not going to get into that place where I'm going to stop cooperating with God. But my heart is set on a pilgrimage. And it goes on to say this in that psalm. might be Psalm 84. And, and where, where he says, where he says, you will walk through the valley of Bacar, but joy is going to come in the morning. And the valley of Bacar is the valley of weeping. And the thing about a valley is if you keep walking, you walk down into it, but if you just keep going, right in the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to come out the other side. And I saw this tunnel, this birthing canal this morning over this church. And I distinctly heard the Holy Spirit saying that you're nearing the end of the birth canal and something new, brand new, is about to be birthed over the life of this church that is going to be extraordinarily powerful. Because the hearts of the leaders in this church, friends, is not to stick to some mechanical marketing program, but it's to experience the very life source of, the, of Christ himself being expressed in you and through you. And where he is, there is life. Amen? Amen. So, turning to Acts 3, verse 19, I want to quickly just run through a few scriptures here uh, with you today. <clears throat> Here's the backdrop to this story. There's a man who's been paralyzed from birth, and he's a beggar, and he knows there's good-hearted people that come to church. Amen? So he parks himself outside church because he knows they'll be kind to him. And two apostles, fathers in the faith, are walking jointly together in one accord. You want to catch that because it's blooming hard to get fathers in the faith nowadays walking in one accord in the spirit because everyone's competing against everybody else. But two of the senior leaders of a city 
Peter and John are on their way to worship and he looks to them for money. And Peter responds to him, says, I don't have any silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. Rise up and walk in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And strength pours into his ankles. And the man gets up and a miracle takes place. And he's so excited. He's never walked in his life. And he's leaping and jumping and praising God. And he's telling everybody about what's going on. And you see, the observers, those who are looking on from the outside, they're seeing everything that's being done. And they, they are looking with their natural eyes. They haven't understood the season. They haven't entered into the season. Otherwise, they would have never done what they did. And they went to Peter and John. And Peter says to them, you look at me as if we did this with our own power. He said, this had nothing to do with us. In fact, the reason why this man is now healed and he's walking and leaping and praising God is because the one who you killed... The one you put to death, the one you crucified and in his name, that is the reason why this man is now alive and healed. And then he goes on and leads into verse 19. Repent, therefore. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing, kairos, times, so seasons of refreshing. The word refreshing is the Greek word anupsis. And you know what it means? It literally means a recovery of breath. <sighs> Struggling to breathe at times in your life, seasons that you go through, it feels like you're just coming up for breath all the time. It's just like I'm struggling to breathe. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling the life of God in me. He says, well, if you're going to repent, if you're going to change your mindset, your attitudes, the way that you think, about this Jesus, and if you are prepared to change in your life, then you can experience a whole new season of God coming into your life, and you're going to recover your breath, and you're going to get revived. You're going to enter into a special Kairos season of time over your life. Wow. Times of refreshing. Reviving. Verse 21. We go on to see whom heaven must receive until the times, kairos, same word again, until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So here's the picture I want to give to you right this morning, church. Right now, we're in the year 2014, rapidly coming to a close. I hope your year's gone okay. From what the Holy Spirit was saying to me this morning over this church, there's been many tears that some of you have experienced over the course of this year. You know the great thing about that? The Bible says there's not one tear you shed that is not stored in God's bottle. He collects them all. He knows all your pain all the hardship, all the difficult times that you've been through. Some of them are your own making. Some of them are my own making. Yes, they are. But others of them, it's just sheer, it's the sheer pressure that we get under at times when God's entering us into a new season and, and there's alignment that's taking place and we need to shift some things and sometimes that can be painful. 
because none of us are an island unto ourselves. When God says shift something, it's going to affect all your relationships. Hello. Everybody that you're connected to is going to feel the shift. And that brings tears at times. And that brings a change of season uh, in our lives where we've got to hold on to God for everything that we have. So the Holy Spirit is saying in this message that right now, Jesus, where's Jesus right now, friends? He's at the right hand of the throne of God, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I love that picture in Acts 7, where the Bible actually says there was one occasion where Jesus stood up. I love that picture, because everywhere in the scripture it says he's seated at the right hand of God. But as Stephen has been stoned and martyred, for entering into the season of God and bringing himself into alignment with God. He's actually literally dying. And the Bible says, as he looked up, he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. That the Son of God was so moved by the faithfulness of his servant Stephen, who was entering into a season which took his life because of his obedience, that the Son of Man actually rose to his feet in anticipation to receive it. Son Stephen. Wow. Isn't that awesome? So he's he's seated at the right hand right now, and the Bible says he's not going anywhere, he's staying there until the Kairos program of God has been completely fulfilled. How do we know it's going to be fulfilled? Because when all the prophecies that the prophets have spoken are fulfilled, then the end will come. And the final, the final curtain on the end of the age will be drawn and God will, and you'll see him coming in the clouds with great fire and the angels of God. As we look to the parousia, the second coming of Christ, and then we'll know that it's all been fulfilled as Jesus returns to collect his bride. But in the meantime, in the meantime, there are seasons, kairos moments that God is unleashing upon the earth. And I want to talk about one of those kairos moments that I believe that God is releasing right now. And I don't have the time today. I wish I did have the time to go into it, but I simply don't because the subject is so big. But I want to point you to what God's about to do on the earth. And this is why there has been... This is why right now around the world, I'm observing this from a lot of the contacts I have overseas. I'm observing it through the ministries that, are, that I'm in contact with over in New Zealand. That right now there is a call to the body of Christ to reemerge under the true identity of the son, the corporate son. And that, and that God's calling us out of this machinery that we've called the church that's got a lot of man-made stuff on it. And he's calling forth the true son. In fact, the Bible says that heaven is standing on tiptoes waiting for the true appearance of the true sons and daughters of God. Standing on tiptoes. Will you emerge? 
Will you come forth? Will you experience the pain of alignment and the tears that it may cost you? But will you emerge in this brand new season and time that I'm about to unfold on the earth? And it's a season of which we're going to discover in a couple of passages that is yet to be fulfilled, which will be like no other season the world, the earth has ever experienced in the history and the annals of all the history books. You will never see a season on planet earth that we're about to walk into. Isaiah 60 verses 1 to 3. Let's take a quick look at that. We'll skip forward some slides. Many of you know this scripture. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Who's the light? Jesus is the light, right? And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Say upon me. Upon me, upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord himself will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Not out there, not in the great cosmos, but the glory is going to be seen right on God's people. And the Gentiles, this is, this is what's going to happen. Not your seeker-sensitive super soaker programs, but the Gentiles shall come. Why? To your light, the light and the radiance of Christ through the body, because they've come into alignment. And now the light can be seen and experienced through the body because they've been prepared to, to do what it takes to enter the new season. And, and, and the Gentiles are going to come on mass and kings, kings of the earth. That means nations. When God gets a hold of a ruling potentate and he turns his heart to Christ, often what follows is mass conversions of his people as they come to the same rising of the brightness of the new dawn of a season of glory that is going to unfold upon the church. But I want to tell you, friends, it's a season of glory that we're going to see, we're going to experience, but not everybody's going to enter into it. And just as Jesus warned Jerusalem, he said, you're not going to see it until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You're not going to see it until you acknowledge the season that God is unfolding on the earth. You will not experience it. You will not partake of it. You won't be able to understand it. You won't be able to get in it until you're prepared to come into full alignment with it. Can we have another prophet give us, a say, let, let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses? For the sake of time, let's go for two this morning. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. For the earth will be filled, emphatic statement, filled with what? With the knowledge. Many people misquote this word. For the, they say, for the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Misquote. Why is that important? Because this word in the center of it all is such an important word. It said the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That word knowledge is the Hebrew word yoda. And it means this. It's got an explicit meaning. It means this. You will be able to ascertain and understand it and experience it and see it. For yourself. 
So he's saying it's not just intellectual agreement, but it's an experiential time on the earth where people can actually experience this glory coming on the face of the earth. Wow. You know, we live in a privileged day. Yeah, we've got lots of issues. We've got Ebola issues. We've got ISIS issues. We've got some major global problems on our hand in the the world today. It's not an easy time to be living. But I want to tell you, the prophet Isaiah says, here's the sign. When, When darkness is covering the earth like a blanket, when the times are so dark, there's a new Kairos season of glory that's going to rise on the church of Jesus Christ and it's going to bring kings to their knees and it's going to bring nations to, to their knees in awe and in worship of the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords and whole nations. Can a nation be born in a day? The prophet says, you bet it can. When the glory of the Lord comes on the earth, friends, anything and everything is possible. And the cry of God's heart right now is a cry of repentance. It's a cry of alignment. It's a cry of rearranging our lifestyles. It's a cry of allowing the spirit of the living God to come upon our lives in such a way that there is agreement with God, not disagreement, where there is there is a willingness in the day of God's power to come into agreement with what God says. It's a day where no longer is your program priority, but it's the program and priority of the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all these material things that you need. They'll be added to you. You won't have to chase them. They'll chase you because your priorities have changed. He's first. The kingdom is first. God is first in every aspect of your life. And as a result of it, there's a, there's a docking and there's a connecting. You know, when, you know when some of you may go to lunch at the mall today. And if you want to access everything that's in that mall, then you're going to have to approach it correctly. Because over the automated doors that give you access to the mall, they've been calibrated so that you need to align yourself to approach at a certain angle and at a certain space and a certain length in order for those doors to miraculously open for you so that you can access everything that's in that mall. If if the door's there and I'm trying to enter the door over here because there's glass here, it ain't going to let me in. Because it's not calibrated for an approach by me from this angle. I'm going to have to recalibrate my approach and realign my approach to the doors in order for the access to the things inside them all to be given. And that's a prophetic picture of the church of Jesus today. We can't approach God any old how. You can't carry out your Christianity any old how. We can't lead our churches any old how. We can't just do what we want to do. There is a method. There is a way. When God built the tabernacle, he said, build it according to the pattern I give to you. Not whatever you think is good. Not whatever you think is right. He says, no, it's a pattern. It's the one I've set down. And it's the pattern of my son and all that he has and all that he is and all that I want him to be. That's the pattern of entering into the ark of God. Jesus is the ark. And as you come into the ark, then you're going to get access to all that heaven has in store for you at this time. 
a season of unprecedented glory, unprecedented glory on the earth that will be unleashed. And you say to me, well, what is the glory? That's a good question. And I'm going to finish on this this morning because we need to understand what the glory is. The word glory, most of you will know in the Hebrew, the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, translated into English so we can understand it. The word commonly used for glory is the word kabod. Let's say it's a great sounding word. Kabod. Let's say it again. Kabod. Kabod. Kabod means heaviness or weightiness. So if somebody has kabod, because it's a term that's also used not only to represent God, but there's the glory of man. Did you know that you were made a little lower than the angels? And the Bible says one day you're going to judge the angels. Man has a certain type of glory that God has prescribed to him. But the glory of God is a completely different matter. So somebody who has kabod or glory, they have importance or weightiness attached to them that is a unique characteristic that is completely out there on its own. And so when we come to the saying that the glory of God or the weightiness of God, we're saying that there are qualities about God that nobody else has. His glory. His, there's a weight, there's a weightiness. So when we come to describing the glory of Solomon was his wealth. The glory of Samson was his greedness. Well, I would say the glory of me is my hair, Greg, so I don't know what happened to you. <laughs> you know, gray hair, the Bible says gray hair is a crown of glory. Wow, I'm carrying a crown today. Awesome, awesome. What happened to your crown, bro? Hey, <laughs> uh, High level, okay, it's up there. You got altitude sickness. So the glory is the beauty, the majesty, and the splendor of God, his character. You know, if we, if, if we, the glory of someone or something is what sets them apart in a unique and special way. The glory of a zebra is its, the glory of a cheetah is its, the speed or spots, the glory of the peacock is its. <sighs> You're getting it. You're getting it. Now, the glory of God is untouchable. The glory of God is, is, is the, unchange, the unchangeable, unique, uh, special characteristics that are unlike anything else that can ever be compared to it. So when we're giving glory to God, we're, we're bestowing upon him what only he deserves, that no, but no man, no thing, nothing else can ever receive. And that glory is... There's different aspects. There's the glory of God's character. He's unchangeable. He cannot lie. These are the glory aspects of his character. Then there's the glory of his presence. When the presence fell in the dedication of the temple of Solomon, no man could stand. Because once the glory was manifested, everybody fell on their faces because they could not stand in the glory of God. Moses said, show me your glory. And God put him in the cleft of the rock. said, you can't see my face and live, but I'll let you taste a little bit. You can see my back. The glory. Friends, this is what's coming on the earth in an incredible, incredible way. Now, will you see it 
And will you experience it? And will you enter into it? What will it take is a simple key. And I'm finishing on this this morning. Here's the simple key. It's the same key that Peter gave to the men who observed the miracle at the temple that day. It's a gift, and it's the kindness of God. Romans says this, it's the kindness of God that leads a man or a woman or a child to a place of repentance. It's a gift from God that he wants to bestow upon every heart. Many people say, well, I repented when I came to Christ 20 years ago. My friends, repentance is a daily activation of your will. You know, if we refuse repentance as a way, as a lifestyle, we get stuck with bitterness, roots of it. We get slimed with other people's sin. We get stuck sometimes with issues of unforgiveness because we just won't forgive people and their own lives. And sometimes if we, if we, if we, if God is moving and God is saying things and we know He is, friends, you know He is. You know there's a ring of truth about this new season that's coming on the earth. But if you get stuck in a, in a place of spiritual apathy and decline, then Jesus is going to be standing looking over your life, weeping and saying, if you were only willing in the day of my visitation. And so repentance is a daily issue. Your eye gate, your ear gate, your lifestyle, the way that you live, the way that you worship, the way that you move. There's only one way to live for God, and that's hot. If you look warm, you're going to get spewed out of his mouth, according to the book of Revelation. God is bringing a hot bride. He's bringing a hot church. He's bringing his special, prized, treasured possession that he's been working on for the last 2,000 years. And it's going to appear on the earth without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, as he's preparing the bride for this great outpouring of the glory of God and the glory of his name. But the question is, will you experience the day of his visitation. Could we stand to our feet, please? Can I just have a keyboardist, if I just have a keyboardist come this morning?